Hello and welcome to another episode of Backroom Football Talk Show. We're here with Aaron and Oscar today. First round of the Premier League is over. We're gonna go, well, we're gonna go over what happened. Um, everybody in the top six, except for United and surprisingly Liverpool, won their games. Everybody got the business done. Um, some had to grind it out a little more than others. Chelsea included in that bracket. But let's start talking about Chelsea today. Um, and we'll go with Aaron for this one. We'll go with Aaron. Why not? Ch- uh, very, very tough game uh, against Everton. Maybe tougher than it should have been. Uh, you could you could tell that Tuchel... Well, you can tell that Tuchel isn't really happy with the squad that he has. Or at least is looking to add something to that squad. But in terms of, of, of the back line and defensively, Chelsea didn't suffer too much. The question wasn't asked of them too much either from Everton, from an Everton side that was close to being relegated last year. Uh, Lampard is still kind of working on on more transfers before the window closes. But Aaron, what did you think um, about Chelsea just overall after that one? Yeah, great defensive performance. Um, that was great for Chelsea. But you know, like you said, Everton, not too much attacking prowess. They didn't really challenge Chelsea too much. But I think... Uh, Phil Bally did decent in his debut. I know he did hurt himself, though. Uh, Thiago Silva impressed. Mendy, it's awesome back there. Um, Conte, you can't really ask for much more out of him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, the attack uh, was, was non-existent today. And then, thankfully, for that pound that and Jorginho finishing. Otherwise, Chelsea would have dropped points as well. Um, so not an, not an impressive start at all. But, you know, the good teams find a way to get wins in these kind of games. So... Um, lucky this week, but they can't expect to continue this kind of type of performances if they want to succeed, um, or even like place top four in the league. A hundred percent. And one of the things that you you could see coming into the season, especially with the little activity they've done in the transfer market, is this team is just gonna it's gonna have to be one of those squads that just kind of grinds one nil wins out of people, out of other teams, especially in the bigger games, right? Obviously, yesterday. It's not a big game, essentially. It's Everton. Goodison Park is always kind of tough, but it's still, it's Everton. It's, an, it's a very weak Everton side with a new manager like Lampard. It should have been a little more. The, the, the match should have ended, I don't know, 2-3-0. Uh, Everton had maybe one or two good chances. That's it. But Oscar, this is not a side that... We're, I was watching the game yesterday and I wasn't thinking, yeah, what this, what this Chelsea side needs right now is, is another defender. Another an 80, 80 million pound defender like Fofana is going to be, you know, I don't know if, if, if you think that should still be a priority because Thiago was also kind of close to being injured there. And now you're thinking now they might be in trouble. But is that the priority right now or should they focus solely on the attacking reinforcements? I mean, one more addition in defense would be great for Chelsea, but you just signed Koulibaly. And uh, you also Cucurella. kept you, you kept as Pilicueta. Yeah. was fantastic, by the way. Yeah, so I think they're pretty much well covered in defense, but now I think they gotta focus on the attacking positions because you're losing Timo Werner again to Leipzig, mm-hmm. and that opens a spot. So if, Tino, if Timo Werner could operate as number nine, it wasn't his preferred position, or well, probably it was for him, but he didn't perform well in that position. Now you have that position open. And you can always go into the market. And I know, Rich, you're a big fan of the pie. We were speaking about Aubameyang the other day, which I still believe would be the ideal decision or the ideal man for Chelsea in that spot. But we got to see what happens in the rest of the transfer market. But if I'm Chelsea's owners and Tuchel, I would definitely prioritize uh, going for a number nine. 
Yeah, so obviously, yeah, the pie, I love that. I also love that Timo Werner is, is finally being offloaded. Uh, it's just going to be 25 million pounds. I don't think, you know, obviously, if you look at it from the from the money side of it, they lost so much in that deal because Werner didn't really, you know, it didn't really perform to the level that he was he was supposed to. But I, I think it's just good overall that they're they're starting to offload some attackers because they do need something there. But like, I, again, I, when I was watching the game, I wasn't thinking, yeah, we need that. We need that central defender. We need someone else, right? Obviously, and this is the thing. This is where it gets tricky because if Aspilicueta or Thiago or Koulibaly, who was probably the man of the match yesterday, drop injured, and now now that's when you start kind of second-guessing yourself and what are you going to do? But if you think about it, Chelsea yesterday finished the match with Cucurella in the left centre-back position, Thiago, I believe, and or maybe Koulibaly, and then... Um, Aspilicueta on the right on the right hand side, right, and 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 Reece James ended up playing as a left wing back, and you were able to push um, Loftus Cheek over to the right wing back position. So there's a lot of options. Obviously, no no one was playing in their preferred position, but there's a lot of options. You can do a lot with it, and I think that it's 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 going to be more important right now to add a Memphis Depay, even Aubameyang. Even though I I I was very clear last time that I prefer Depay over Aubameyang just because of the age factor, the fact that he's a much more creative player where like as Aubameyang is a finisher. But yeah, I think this is what Chelsea should be prioritizing now because you've got the back covered. You you might not concede many goals this year, but how many are you going to score? Are, be, are you going to be able to put three past the, the weaker teams? And that's what they need right now. And Koulibaly has done great. I think he's done great and he will continue to do fantastic. But it's just about... What can you get up top? You know, otherwise, there's no chance that we're going to stay in the top uh, top four this year. Let's move over to, um, well, everybody else kind of got the job done. So Spurs uh, won against Southampton. Arsenal beat Crystal Palace away, which was a tough match. And then were very dominant, especially in that first half. But United, United struggled. Um, well, not only struggled, they lost the game against Brighton at home. I think it was the first ever win for Brighton at Old Trafford. Oscar, we'll start with you for, with this one. What did you think of the game? Uh, what What do you think United should now look to add in the transfer window? Because they haven't done too much. I mean, what I think of the game is the same of the same problem Manchester United has had in the previous season. And Harry Maguire explicitly said it in his post match press conference that they're living in a nightmare and that the game was a nightmare. And I still believe that Manchester United is living in a nightmare right now. And not only Manchester United, but Harry Maguire as well. If you see both goals from Brighton, the first goal is clearly Maguire's fault. He lets the man run in behind, and he never tries to catch the man when the man makes the run. Then on the second goal, he's completely out of position. He should be in his position and not wandering near the middle of the pitch. Then when De Gea saves the ball and the rebound goes to the Brighton player, Maguire just stands there doing nothing. So I think you got to step up, man. You got to... Show why you're the captain, why you're the first choice center defender at the club. And uh, about the team in general, now speaking about uh, attacking the game, you have to score those chances. Rashford had two chances to score, and he didn't score either of them. If you want to compete, if you want to be a top side, you got to score those chances. So, I don't know. Uh, bad start for Ten Hag, bad start for Manchester United. And if things... If Ten Hag wants United to do better, he has to improve and tweak some stuff. I think, and then Aaron, I'm going to ask you about this one. I think one of the mistakes, in my opinion, was not starting Ronaldo today. 
Um, he keeps he keeps using as an excuse that he's not fit enough because he's done 10 days of or 13 days of preseason or whatever. But it's Ronaldo you're talking about when he came on. United looked better. The movement from a striker was there. He kept opening spaces. That first chance that Rashford misses. Uh, obviously, he was flagged for offside later. But looking at the at the at the repetition, like it wasn't actually when you were looking back at it, it, it he it looked like he might have been onside, and he ended up assisting what should have been a goal from Rashford, who was terrible today. What do you think about that, Aaron? Do you think that Ronaldo should now? start going like from here on out he should start every every game for united because martial is injured and he's the one presence that he could have up top in that number nine position oh 100 um he came on for fred in the second half and i know previously i said man he doesn't need um more talent they just need to figure it out but like they're not going to be in the top four with fred starting Uh, as an example, it's just not going to happen. Uh, he might have a good game here or there, but the consistency for a full season is just not going to happen. So um, it's only one game. And I think if Manu had lost to a more formidable opponent, there'd be less panic because uh, Manu, so on and so forth, they lost to Brighton and they lost two star players in the transfer window as well. So that's uh, it's embarrassing um, to do that. Um, and the goal is for Rosalongo. So. They didn't even score a goal. Yeah, exactly. It's embarrassing and, and even more embarrassing when you think about the fact that in May, Brighton played United and they won 4-0 against United. So it's just, it, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not looking good if a team like that all of a sudden is beating you consistently, right? Uh, one more thing about United. So Oscar, when Ronaldo came in, um, he came in, like, like Aaron said, he came in for Fred. But then that meant that Ericsson actually dropped to play in that deep, deeper role, uh, to get the ball out straight away from the, from the center back positions. And that actually helped United a lot in terms of the possession and the, and the clean way out from the back. Do you think that that could be an option? Because you got, you got obviously Ericsson started as a false nine. He was very active in the final third during the first half. Second half is where we, where he actually had Ronaldo up top. So he was able to drop even deeper and Bruno was more of that attacking, attacking position in the middle. Do you think that this could be an option? Because recent reports are saying that United don't really have a plan B to Frankie de Jong. So is Ericsson maybe a player that could do this going forward? I mean, it could be an option, but I don't see it as an option for a starting eleven. I see it as an option for uh, depending on how the match is going, just like today. Because I don't think Ericsson can perform that role as a... Uh, not holding midfielder, but defensive midfielder alongside Fred or McTominay, who either is playing. Uh, and now with Aaron, as he was speaking about uh, Fred and McTominay, I just don't think they're good enough as well to carry Manchester United. I mean, you look at the other top teams, de uh, defensive midfield options, Calvin Phillips, Rodri, uh, and Golo Kante uh, for Spurs. They had they signed pretty well as well. I don't think... Uh, Fred and McTominay are good enough. So, if I would, if I was Manchester United, if I was Ten Hag, I would probably try to strengthen that position. At least try to get one player and try to find a plan B for Frankie De Jong if he doesn't end up coming to United. Now, I, I wanted to tell you as well about Ten Hag because what I saw from Ten Hag today in his not in his character and like how he was looking, I see Ten Hag and I see a man who's already stressed. And he's been, yeah. at United, he's been at United for only one month, month and a half. So that tells you that uh, 
maybe it's not just a coaching change that was needed, but it's maybe just some problems inside the club, you know? It's a culture. It's a culture issue uh, within the club. Yeah, I think I think that some players are not really ready or don't really understand what it means to play for a club that that big, um, and that's where all the problems start because then that's where they're not they might not be as disciplined or as consistent, and 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 they don't. I I think they don't really know um, how how lucky they are to be in a club that big. You know, it's it's a huge club, and you got to realize this because otherwise you won't put the work in, and if you don't put the work in, you won't. Uh, you won't get results, and that's that's the basis of that's where it all starts. It starts on the field, you know. Um, ambition is is what is needed to just get him out of that rut. But like speaking to that, so you said, yeah, he should go with he should go with someone for that role in the in the in the transfer market. First off, I don't know who at this point, uh, but but it it seems that Ten Hag is is wanting to recruit from within if he can't sign uh, Frankie de Jong and this would mean either use one of some of the players already at his disposal or or use someone from the youth team that and maybe get him up to the to the first team and prepare him for the for for that role but I I just don't see that happening I think that if anything it'll have to be one of the options that he has already already at his disposal if this is Eric uh, Erickson I think that it could be a decent option he's not that great defensively but he uh, you could just bet on on having possession most of the time. That's how you defend yourself. You have the ball all the time. You don't give it away. So then the other team is not attacking you as much, you know? One player that I could definitely see playing in that role is Donny van de Beek. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what you think about it, Rick, uh, Rich, but I think van de Beek would perform a better role playing at that position rather than Eriksen. Yeah, I mean, he did. He did when he was at Ajax. Obviously, he he played. I think with um with the young. Um, sometimes it was the young on his own. But I do think that he's got the qualities for it. I don't know if if maybe Ten Hag sees him as a bit more of an attacking player or a box to box, you know, rather than uh rather than than a holding midfielder who who receives directly from Maguire or Varane or whoever is playing in there, right? But I I, I think that to be honest, I liked Ericsson there. He's got the quality for it. Uh, he wasn't misplacing any passes. He was always going for the smarter option. He was opening up spaces. He was finding uh, Bruno through the mid through the middle. So I think that it could work. Um, he also has that long range kind of vision. So it, it's also an option for the strikers and the wingers that are looking to get in behind. You know, I do think that I liked it. I, I, I would like to see it again, especially against the weaker sides. And maybe if you do play Liverpool, Man City, then maybe you go with a defensive uh, pivot in there. You know. Um, and Liverpool is talking talking about Liverpool, Aaron. We'll go with you because Liverpool dropped points in the first game of the season. Darwin Nunez did score and assists, by the way. Uh, but and so did Salah. He scored and assisted. But they tied against Fulham, so newly promoted Fulham, uh, who are once again in the Prem. Every two years, they're in the Premier League. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, so Mitrovic scored twice, and they tied at Craven Cottage. Um, what do you what do you think? Do you think this is gonna really uh, well, affect them going forward. It might, might be too early to say this, but it's it's our, it's the first first round, and you're already dropping points against the Manchester City side, who is not going to get any weaker. Yeah, um, classic. Way too early prediction. So you cannot you cannot drop points against really promote a team like Fulham um, because now we can probably look at this game later on in the season in April and May and be like, oh my goodness, Liverpool is two points, one point behind, most likely Man City, and they're going to look back at this game. Oh, they dropped two points against Fulham. Yeah. So yeah. it can't happen, right? 
they were probably like, ah, oh, it's the first game. Let's just manage to work through it. But um, at least for me, when I, when I think about it, every single game matters. It doesn't matter if it's the first game, 15th game, 30th game. So, but I think this will be a great, very, very early wake-up call for Liverpool um, to step it up and figure it out now. I'm not too sure who they're playing next weekend, but I expect um, them to come off flying next weekend. Let me see who they're playing next weekend. No, and to be honest, I I was kind of I was kind of surprised by Liverpool. I thought, well, you guys know, like last time when we did the predictions, I said that Liverpool was probably like looking to be champions this year, you know. And and I think they recruited properly. They didn't lose too many key players. Um, they play Crystal Palace, by the way, at home at Anfield, so that should be a oh, an easy yeah. one. And then and then they play United, so even an easier one after that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised that they didn't get this uh, get this done. I was surprised that they couldn't win against Fulham, who's newly promoted, has always tra- struggled when they go back to the Prem. That's why I say that every two years they're in the Premier League because they all <laughs> alternate between the Champions League and the and the Prem. Um, but yeah, I mean, Darwin looked good. He looked sharp. He's he's finding his own. Like he's he's more comfortable every time. Uh, a backheel goal that he scored was very good. Obviously, a bit of a deflection in there, but I think that he's he's feeling comfortable, and that's the most important thing that you can ask of a number nine, just just like Holland was today, and we're gonna talk about it later on. But um, I don't, I just don't know if maybe that front line of Diaz, Holland, I mean um, Darwin Nunez and Salah is is just gonna be enough, you know? And Darwin Nunez was actually subbed in, so um, I don't even know. We don't even have a starting a proper starting front three yet. Um, we don't know what it is in, in Klopp's eyes. And this is where I think it might be worrying because at this point, you shouldn't be trying to figure anything out. You should, you should have it figured out and, and you should know exactly how you're going to play, you know, and that's what we saw with City today. Um, so Oscar, let's talk about City. But before you do, you do that, just kind of give me your thoughts on Liverpool and if they, they might be a, a proper title contender this year. Well, of course, they're going to be a title contender. Uh, they've been a title contender in the last seasons. They just lost money, but replacing pretty well with Darwin Nunez. And speaking about the front three, you just mentioned the front three. The front three for Liverpool should be always Salah, uh, Luis Diaz, and Darwin Nunez. I don't know why club uh, is deciding on subbing Darwin Nunez and just giving him a few minutes. Probably he wants him to get settled in. But it seems that the guy has settled in already. He's two goals in two games for Liverpool. So, uh, I don't know if I was club, I would uh, just give him the starting spot next game because you can definitely tell by a country mile that Liverpool does look better when Darwin Nunez is on the field. So, uh, we'll see how they improve, we'll see how they perform next match. But as I said, if I was club, I would give him the starting role right away. Okay, and what about Manchester City? So, we could see that, um, well, to be honest, Erling Haaland did look comfortable the whole game um i was i was curious to see because sometimes he he runs in behind defenders uh and he does that really well he did it for the second goal actually but before that he didn't really get too many chances like that except for like when the first goal happened so so that through ball by gundogan was actually his movement that opened up that passing lane right the fact that he kind of turned uh, and twisted a little bit before making that run kind of opened up that lane for Gundogan to slot that pass in um, and then that sprint to get there before the keeper, obviously, and draw the penalty, uh, which he later scored, I think was just uh, fantastic. And that's exactly what you want from Haaland uh, and what you think, what we, what you're probably going to get. So my initial thought was he might struggle when the back, the, the rival back line compacts 
and gets and gets shortened right and then and now everybody everything is five ten yards of space is not 15 to 20 right so you don't have that space to run in behind so much right and when they when he did first time he did in the game he put it away because he had so much space the Bruyne immediately saw him this guy got his head down and started sprinting and you couldn't you could tell that he was about to score right you could tell that he was going to get in behind but then that requires for the game to be a bit more broken up in in those specific situations and obviously West Ham was pushing forward so that's when it happened obviously he's going to score more goals and that's not even going to be the question right but what suits him a little more I think it all depends on the opposition you know because West Ham the first half they were playing with all their team on the back and Manchester City could barely find spaces. And when they find spaces, when Haaland finds spaces to make those runs in behind, that's when he's lethal. Because you can see in the second goal, starting from the, from, the, from the start of the play when Grealish gives the ball to Rodri, you can see Haaland sprinting towards the uh, yeah. other side of the field. So when he has those, when he has those opportunities, uh, he's going to put them away for City. Now... Uh, I really liked as well his movement with and without the ball. Uh, without the ball, always trying to go forward, making those ru- those runs. He did like two runs in the first half where he wasn't given the ball. And if he would have been given the ball, I bet he would have scored at least one of them. And w- with the ball, he showed very good link-up play uh, with the Bruyne, with Gundogan, with Grealish. So, I mean, the guy's just been working with Pep Guardiola and Man City for a month now. Give him two, three more months, and he'll be scoring many more goals. I can guarantee that. Because last episode we were discussing, should Haaland be looking to adapt to Man City's style? Because last couple of years they were had played without a number nine, and it's different, a totally different game. Or should City look to adapt to Erling Haaland? Now they have a number nine, so they should be finding him a lot more. Um, and 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 we actually saw two examples of. Both of each, so one of each, right? Uh, we saw an example of Haaland kind of adapting to the way that City plays in the sense that he was coming out of the box a lot more than he usually does, right? He was he was trying to join um, the link-up play even outside the box before he kind of transitioned into it. And and even on the wing, you could see it on the wing, on the wing a couple of times, um, switching positions with either Grealish or, or Foden. Foden was fantastic, by the way, today. And another another example of, of the opposite of, of the team kind of trying to adapt to to having that number nine always being a presence inside the box was the fact that they were putting crosses in and you haven't seen Manchester City cross the ball into the box in over two years, right? And maybe even not even then because Aguero was the tiniest player inside the box back then, you know? So they, they that's not something that they usually have in their in their arsenal and today they were trying to find Haaland from the corner of the box you know Foden was trying to put it in uh Kyle Walker Cancelo Grealish even were trying to put balls into the into the box earlier right so so Aaron do you think that well one of them is going to have to give is it going to be the team kind of adapting more to Haaland or or Haaland having to do that more what did you think just in general about about Haaland's performance today yeah Haaland is a generational talent obviously right but and Pep is not a stupid guy Right, so no, he's not. <laughs> whatever tactics he's been using years before with no number nine, so on and so forth. Now he has a legitimate, young, big, strong number nine weapon um, to do that, and he's going to adapt not fully, hundred percent. But I think both play, both parties are going to meet halfway. Alan is going to adapt as well, and I think part of that is the respect for Pep, obviously, and Man City. Right, so there must have been some sort of discussion before the signing was even made. Right, like, hey. Uh, you're going to have to 
change your play a little bit. You might have a little less freedom at Man City than you did at Dortmund, right? Um, but, but yeah, like, and I think he did great. Um, but I think it's just going to make Holland even more dangerous um, because he still has the the direct, direct, direct strength. But now adding his movements is just going to round his game one more. Let's remember that uh, the Premier League is a very physical league, not only in terms yeah. of pace, but in terms of size and compo- uh, not composure, but uh, physicality. And Haaland has all those qualities as well. Yeah. You know what? I think uh, if, if you can find a bit of a flaw in there, it's his aerial game. I think he needs to improve that a little bit. He's not a great header of the ball. Um, n- not many of his, of his goals are, are headers. And you could also see it. He had this one chance uh, with his head, Oscar, where, he, where uh, I think Grealish got to the end line and he crossed it in a bit late. And, and I, at first I thought it was a higher ball, but it wasn't. He just kind of didn't head it the right, in the right uh, place and it kind of went elsewhere and it could have been his hat trick, right? So I do think that there's, there's some little things that he can still tweak within his game to make himself a little bit better. One of them is definitely the aerial threat because when you're facing the Van Dykes, you know, and the uh, Thiago's and the Koulibaly's of the league, you're des- definitely going to need to have that in your locker too, right? Just if you think about it, Ronaldo scored, uh, I don't know, eight, eight goals, eight headed goals or something like that, maybe like last year. Um, and the fact that he doesn't get that many chances at United, you do need to add that to your, to your arsenal, you know, and have that in your locker so that, because it's also a game changer, right? There's games where City um, doesn't, people play a back line almost right outside the box and City doesn't have too much space to, to, to open up the opposition. And that's where the crosses come in, right? Today, all, all, all the crosses were ineffective because they were get, either getting cleared or, or Haddon wasn't getting to them or he missed that last one with, with Grealish. So I do think that's going to be one where he can definitely improve. You know, and I and I'm sure the team is going to have to improve with him because you have to be able to put a good cross in, also, right? Okay, in terms of uh, of transfers, uh, obviously, as you all know, the the transfer window is not closed yet. Many clubs still have some additions to get in. Manchester United, like we already talked about, is one that should be looking at adding someone in, and 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 apparently they are. Now, I want to ask you about this because Marco Arnautovic is. A transfer target, apparently, for Manchester United, a serious transfer target. He plays for Bologna right now, and he's 33 years old, the Austrian. So, Iron, Iron, what do you think about this one? Do you think that he should be a he should be one one of the players that United are looking for? Is he's obviously Ten Hag has worked with him at Twente in, in in the Netherlands, and he's obviously looking for any number nine presence up there that can can make those runs, right? But what do you think about that one? I think I think you hit it right on the button there. Any number nine. Any, yeah. <laughs> Literally, any number nine. Um, I was reading some stuff here, and I saw uh, City won the title last year, and they went out and they got Howland. Liverpool finished second last year. They got Nunez. Uh, United finished sixth, and they're debating whether to bring in a 33, turning 34-year-old Arnatovic as an emergency option. Yeah. <laughs> so With the season I, already started. That... That's an absolute panic move right there. Like, uh, what is he going to do? He may be a short-term fix, but then he's just going to run out of steam once the season really matters. Right? I think if Van you cannot find a viable option in this transfer window, um, just they got to grind it out and look towards the January transfer window. I don't think with whatever addition they'll make, they're going to even challenge for the title anyways. So their goal should be top four. So try to just get fourth place. 
So maybe just try to grind out from now until the end of the calendar year. Once January hits, um, look for a prime target um, event. Instead of rushing, panicking, and you know, getting our anthropic shoes, probably not going to work out. Yeah, no, 100%. And to be honest, in this transfer market, in this transfer window, if you wanted to get something done in terms of an attacking uh, arrival, then you, you, you should have done it early, right? You, we saw Arsenal do it with, with Gabriel Jesus. We, thought, we saw Tottenham do it with Richarlison. We saw, well, obviously, Barca identifying Lewandowski early in the window, even though that one took a little longer, right? We knew that he was either going to Barca or, or staying pretty much, right? He, we didn't have too many other options, uh, real options for Lewandowski. Um, you, you saw it with many different teams, you know, during the transfer window and, and United maybe thought that with Martial, they were covered. I think if Martial was not injured right now, he would have started today and he's probably going to be Ten Hag's first option and Ronaldo was going to be his second. Now Martial's injured and that could happen again. And now are you just looking at a season with a 30, almost 38 year old Cristiano Ronaldo as the, as your number one position in that number nine role and bring in a 33 year old that wasn't even great in the Premier League. You know, um, I'm, I, I don't have the numbers with me, but I, I could almost say with certainty that he doesn't have over 35 goals in the Premier League, right? Um, and, and this is just the reality of it. I think, like you said, Aaron, if, if, if there's a definition for a panic buy, this is it. Um, still, I think maybe it could do something for United. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of when they went for Orion Igalo from uh, the Chinese Super League uh, years after he had done that great season with Watford, right? And, it, and again, it didn't, it didn't work out. Uh, Oscar, what do, you, what do you think about, about it? you think that maybe it could have some short-term benefits? I mean, when I saw the transfer rumor, it just made me laugh, to be honest. I mean, because oh, you're, not, you're not getting out of that. You're not getting out of that cycle, that bad cycle that you've been in the last 10 years if you sign that type of player. He's old now. And yeah, he might have scored a few goals in the Premier League. But for that reason, if you want to buy a striker, you should have kept Cavani, who is a, I think, better option than... Uh, Arnautovic. So as Aaron said, and as you said, I think it's a panic move. And I think if Man United end up doing this, uh, it's not going to benefit them at all. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I, don't think, I don't think that's the answer. And I think it will happen because it doesn't seem like there's many other options out there right now. It doesn't seem like United are looking into any other options. And, and to be honest, if, if, if it does happen... Sure, it's, it's, it's a good patch. Might be a short-term signing. Uh, he might be able to get five goals this year, if any. Um, but I don't think it should. Because what? You're not going to give him a, a one-year contract, right? He's not going to come and leave his Italian club for a one-year contract. It's going to have to be at least two. And then all of a sudden, you're finding yourself now next season with, with or without Ronaldo. Who knows how that's going to that's gonna pan out. And with this guy maybe wanting to leave or being unhappy or... or, or the club wanting him to leave and he's just staying, you know, so it's just a, it's a complicated situation altogether. I don't think I would go for that. Maybe find another option in the market or, or like you said, Oscar, wait to January and then, or Aaron was it, I think, uh, wait to January and then go for something a bit more 
um, w w after you really think it through, you know. I like Jonathan David, by the way. He, he like he's a yes. good option for the Premier League, <laughs> and and obviously Aaron, who's the MLS slash Canadian representative here, uh, would love him. Would love him at the Premier League. I think he's a good option, and and I don't know why clubs haven't gone for him this this summer too much. Uh, the only time we really heard a link, it was Bayern Munich, and that's not going to happen anymore. So I think that could be an option. I would even take him at, at Chelsea, to be honest. Uh, speaking of Chelsea, always active in the market. Uh, a second bid for Fofana has been rejected, but apparently Boli and Tuco are very much willing to pay the 80 to 85 million pound fee that Leicester is asking to, to start, well, pretty well, much to sell him. Tuco's willing to pay, it's Boli's money. Yeah, it is. So Tuco is <laughs> willing to spend Boli's money, that's what it is. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that should be, that would be a great option. Uh, like, like I said, it didn't seem like it's the highest priority watching Chelsea play, especially because of the fact that Aspiliqueta stayed. If he hadn't, I would be desperate for, for him to sign. Now, I'm still desperate, but just because it gives us more, more of an option if, if anybody falls injured, right? Uh, but that's not the focus here. We already talked about Aubameyang and Depay. Now I want to talk about Frankie de Jong because apparently he doesn't want to leave Barcelona unless it's for a Champions League playing team. So that immediately gets United scratched off the off the list and Chelsea is very much interested also willing to pay do you think that it's it's a good option Aaron or do you think that it would just add to the overbooking that there already is in the midfield at Chelsea no that, I don't think that'll solve Chelsea's problems at all I mean it'll help right but in terms of significantly increasing the quality at Chelsea I think that's the wrong position point they're they're eating Right, look for a striker like we talked about earlier, um, because you know who had a terrible game today. Havertz um, had a terrible game today, right? So they need to figure it out over there. Um, Oversaturating the midfield, it's like again they're right now um, with the defense. It's like if they had another defender um, on top of Fana, then it's like what's what? Same thing with the midfield. They need to look yeah. for a striker and spend their money there. Yeah, and if you think about it, like you, so so apparently Tuko really wants and really likes. The young, to be honest, you gotta be pretty dumb not to like a player like the young because he can he can do he's a ball carrying midfielder, he's also a great passer of the ball. He can actually join the the box in an attack sometimes if, if you play him a little bit further out. But I think that they're more than covered. In terms of the defensive work, N'Golo Kante tops the list. I don't think you're gonna do better than, than him there. Um if you're if you're looking for a player that's similar to to uh, the young in terms of the passing, you got Jorginho, right? And in the ball-carrying uh, department, Mateo Kovacic is more than uh, capable of playing in that role and, and doing exactly what he does and maybe even doing it better, right? I think that it's, it's not needed. Um, if you do want him in, you've got to get rid of, of one of those three. Um, it can't be Kovacic, no chance. Uh, it can't be N'Golo Kante because no one in the world performs better than, than he does at what he does. And it has to be Jorginho in that sense. The only way it makes sense if, is if you replace him directly for, for Frankie de Jong, if you replace Jorginho. Otherwise, I don't think it's uh, even a question to, to bring up and you're just spending money for the sake of it. And, and I think it's, it's, that's where it should stay, you know? I think, I think it's not just because Chelsea has money. It's they're in, they're in, like they're interested for every single player. I mean, just because you got money doesn't mean you got to spend it recklessly. Uh, hence Barcelona. So... Exactly. And I mean, to be honest, I don't, 
like it, it's it's kind of hard for me because I can't call it recklessly because I know that it's a it's a it's a good call in terms of the future, uh, especially if you especially if you sell Jorginho, right? If you offload Jorginho and you bring him in, essentially you're getting the same player but younger, right? Uh, but then that doesn't always work out like you think it does. You know, I remember now like when uh, Pjanic was leaving Barcelona and um, and Arthur was coming the other way. Right, he was coming the other way, and you thought that yeah, he's a, he's the same player but younger. And look at that, how that one turned out, right? So it's not always uh, an exact science, you know. Okay, let's. Uh, that, that's pretty much it for now. We're gonna go into the stoppage time though. Gonna go into stoppage time. Just just gonna keep it short today. Just two little dynamics here. Um, let's go first with Oscar. We're gonna do a start bench drop like we always do, 100% of the time. Um, we got three strikers here. All right, different generations, but we got three strikers. One is Kun Aguero, Manchester City. Try not to be biased for this one, by the way. I won't. The other one is Samuel Eto'o, um, and the third one is. Slatan Ibrahimovic. Who do you start? Who do you bench? Who do you drop? Oof. Start Samuel Eto. Bench Aguero and drop Slatan. Wow. Okay. I actually I didn't think you were gonna start Eto. Um I did know though that you were not going to drop Aguero because again, I can see by the Manchester City shirt you're wearing and the Manchester City <laughs> flag that's right behind you. Um, but okay, so you're starting Eto and you're dropping Slatan. All right. Um, Aaron, what about you? I got to start the FIFA 12 legend, Slatan. <laughs> Come on. Come on now. He's he's my, my top three favorite player of all time. So um, a lot of bias here. I'm starting Slatan. I'm benching. Aguero, benching Aguero, and I'm sorry, he's an amazing player though. He's an amazing player, so it's like I don't want to bench him. Can I just keep him in? Like, no. Academy <laughs> or something? Or? No, no, no. He can watch the game from the stands. He can watch the game from the stands every game. No, no, no. You gotta drop him. I'm sorry. Um, that's uh, yeah. Okay, so you're saying you're sorry. You're benching Aguero. Yeah. And you're dropping it too. Okay. Um, oof. I'm sending Eto to the Youth Academy. Okay. <laughs> I'm. Um, I think I'm gonna have to drop. I'm gonna have to drop Samuel Eto. Uh, it's a painful one though. For me, Aguero. I start Aguero. I. I can very much relate to him. Um, he's always a small guy. I'm a small guy. You guys know me. Um, very skillful, silky feet. Um, I love him. I love everything about Aguero. I think, personally, I think, I'm sure Oscar is probably going to think the same thing, uh, that he's the best striker the Premier League has ever seen so far. So far. Top one, but hopefully, um, top three. Hopefully, um, Erling Haaland, you know, can kind of top it. Um, well, I actually I'm saw a, a tweet. I yeah. love you saw. You saw you saw a tweet yeah. from um, Alan Shearer. Uh, he, he tagged Erling Haaland and he said, hey, just 254, 58 more to go. Oh, uh, I, I saw that one, but I thought you were you were speaking about that the last player to score uh, two goals on his Man City debut before Haaland Aguero. Aguero. Yeah, I also ah. saw that, yeah. So there you go. Maybe, you know, 10 years from now, we'll be talking about Aguero in this uh, start bench. I mean, about Haaland. Um, so what did I say? Oh, I said I dropped it. Oh, yeah. So I benched Zlatan. 
just because you gotta give value to the fact that he's performed like he's performed with what is it now eight clubs um and it's a pity he doesn't have a champions league to go for it you know and the mls he also dominated and the the yes the mls i'm sorry yes um that's very important but yeah (laughs) thank you aaron um keeps me on my toes okay uh second second one here um Pretend you're, uh, you're, you're managing in career mode. If you have one player, no matter the transfer fee, no matter uh, the, the hustle to get him to your, to your team or to, to any team, really. One player that you think would fit into a team perfectly and would be like the one piece missing at the moment. Who wants to get that one rolling? Van Dyke to Man U. To play alongside Maguire? To play alongside Maguire? Send Maguire to like... Greenland or Antarctica, just get this guy out of there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Maybe bad. send him the other way. Who knows? Maybe Maguire uh, at Liverpool would be fantastic. Send him. Maybe it's the club. <laughs> Maybe. We'll, 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 we'll say that. But <laughs> get that slot in order, and Man U, I think, will be. Hey, if Man U can figure out their defense and allow zero to one goals per game, um, they're fine, right? A good example to me was Chelsea. Chelsea had a terrible game, but. The logic I always use is if you don't allow a goal, it's impossible to lose. Exactly. So. No, and it's a, it's 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 true because Chelsea actually. I mean, I'm I'm sure. Like I watched both games, and United looked more dangerous when they were dominating the game than Chelsea did. You know, and they were creating more chances or half chances at least. So, yeah, you're right. If they did, if they had that one sorted in the back. Um, what about you, Oscar? Well, Aaron, uh, thanks for stealing mine. Because <laughs> I, I was gonna go with something similar. I was not gonna say Van Dyke. I was probably gonna think of another central defender, but I was gonna put a central defender on Man United. But I'm gonna keep with Man United and I'm gonna put, it's gonna sound ironic because he just signed for Man City, but I'm gonna put Calvin Phillips in Manchester United's uh, there you go. Fancy midfielder options. There you go, there you go. I think I mean, that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that Cal- one fits Calvin, perfectly. Calvin's a Premier League proven player. He's one of the best in the league in playing at his position, recovering balls, doing that dirty work that a defensive midfielder has to do. He's good with the ball, good without the ball. And he's a player who's eager to learn, keep improving and play for a better club than uh, Leeds. So I think will be a great addition in that defensive midfielder position. Well, now you just you guys just make me want to think about a United fix, but gosh, um, I had I was gonna go with one for Chelsea, um, but to be honest, the same player could go in either one of those two. So I was gonna say Memphis Depay. Um, I I've kept saying that I want him back at the Premier League. Uh, obviously, I want him to go for Chelsea. I think that he's needed. I think that he's. Uh, He's a player that can give you so much. He's, he can be a false nine. He can be a, he can play the number nine role too. He's a good finisher. He's creative, so he can play alongside another number nine. Like I could see him playing alongside Ronaldo or right in behind Ronaldo. You know, he can play on the wing, either wing. So I think he can do it all. Um, one of he's one of my favorite players at the moment, and and I, I I'm gonna say United just because you guys said United. I will send this over to Ten Hag and then show him the, what the right way. To, to manage is, you know. Uh, but yeah, about uh, Calvin Phillips, though, I think that that one was probably, that one is spot on. Um, they should have been a bit more uh, fierce in the in the transfer market because they were one of the teams that was interested at first or, or was rumored to be interested in him. Obviously, once you got City or United, which, one, which door are you going to open, right? And you're going to go for City 
100% of the time. Uh, but yeah, so I, to, just to finish off, I'd go with Memphis Depay to uh, Manchester United. Um, and and kind of, can you just imagine though, like Memphis Depay up top with with uh, Martial and Jadon Sancho, or even Ronaldo and Jadon Sancho? I think that could be that could be quality. No, Oscar. Yeah, I, think, huge fan. I think I think our listeners should take a drink every time you mention Memphis Depay. <laughs> <laughs> just the, the Friday Friday night uh, play the podcast and just get hammered right before going to the club. <laughs> <laughs> every time Ricardo mentions Memphis Depay. Hey man, you know what? So I've been wanting to order another uh, the the Chelsea away kit. First time I saw it on live on a game. Beautiful. I'm definitely gonna order one because I already got the home kit jersey. I, I kind of screwed up. I should have waited. But I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for Depay to sign for Chelsea so that I can get his jersey. You know, if I if I had to buy one now, I don't even know who I'm gonna get. Maybe like Cucurella. Oh my, he was good. He was fantastic. What a signing! Oh, what a signing! But I wouldn't get his jersey. No, why not? <laughs> I mean, there's better players you can get a jersey from Chelsea. Kovacic. I already got that one. I'm God, telling you, I'm waiting for the pie. I'm waiting for the pie. I'm telling you. God. It's happening. It's happening. He's going to break the number nine curse. But we've been listening to that, Rick, since Higuain signed for Chelsea. <laughs> yes. Oh, my. If nothing has worked out. Abraham was going to. He was in line to be the guy that was going to break that curse and then Roma snatched him up. All right, boys. Thanks for being here with me today. Again, thanks for being every time, but thanks for being in this one. Fantastic 45 minutes of footy backroom talk. Um, I'll catch you in the next one. And for those listening, just make sure that you follow us on Twitter for daily content at Backroom Footy. I always forget to mention it, mention it more. Um, Aaron always gives me stick for that. He says you should mention it three, three to four Gosh. times within the episode. You know. You next time you're here, you, next time you're here, you should just interrupt and say, "Hey, everybody, go follow the Twitter." <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, I'll just uh, promote my personal Twitter instead. How about that? Perfect. Thanks. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for being here today. Cheers. See you, boys. Sign on.